Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. I'm joking! I'm still here trying to keep you on your toes! Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi! We are continuing in the seventh parak of Mesechta's Brachos, the fourth and fifth Mishnah, continuing in the theme of Zimun, of the Chiv that one has to bench with a Zimun when they sit down as a group. The Mishnah tells us, Mishnah Dalach, Loshashach Lukechod, Enon Rishain Lechalik. If three people sit down and form a Zimun, as in they sit down together, now they have a chiv to bench with a zimun. As the Rav told tells us, it's a totally and fundamentally different type of benching. But it's not a benching of a yachid, but it's a benching of a tzibur, of a chabura. And they're not allowed to opt out. They can't say, you know what, I'm going to bench by myself. And you bench by yourself. But rather, once you sit down in your koveya as a group, now you must bench with a zimun. The question becomes is, what does it mean to sit down as one? So we mentioned one of the things you need the other day, and that was it has to be food you can all partake in. If someone's eating treif, although they may be eating in close proximity to you, they could be sitting on your lap. You're not eating together because you're not going to eat from his food. So what else do you need other than food you can all partake in? The Gemara tells us, don't think you need to all eat from the same loaf of bread. That's not true. Even if you all have individual rolls, that's enough in order to form a zimun. However, the question becomes, at what point? At what point do we say you're considered eating together? And that's a machlokus. Rabbeinu Yonah, who comments on the Gemara Brachos in back on the riff, says you must start your meal together. However, the Rosh says no, as long as you eat part of the meal together. The Shulchan Aruch says you don't need to start like Rabbeinu Yonah, but rather you need to finish together. If you finish together, now you have a chi of zimun, you cannot decide, I'm opting out and going to bench by myself. The Mishnah points out, based off all those shit does, if you begin before or or after they begin, and you finish before or after they finish, so then you do not have a chiv to bench with together. However, if you want to, then you certainly could do so. The question that comes that emerges from here comes up quite often, and that is what happens if one of the people must leave before the other two finish their meal? If you're posking, especially like the rush, as long as we parch together. So the Gemara already tells us that if two of the people must need to leave, they can in fact force the f- third person to stop what he's doing, listen to the benching, answer to the zimun, answer to Hazar Zakol, and then he can, conclu- can fin- finish eating while they can leave. However, if only one of them needs to leave, he cannot force the other two to finish their meal early or pause their meal, which could be quite difficult to do if it's a good meal. He cannot force them to pause it in order for him to bench. But what comes up fairly often is as follows. What if you need to go to a wedding, and you know you cannot stay the entire time? What do you do? So Rav Moshe writes in a tshuva, and not everyone agrees to this, but Rav Moshe believes that if you wash, having in mind with the intent that you know you're not going to stay, so you do not want to partake in the zimun, that is good enough, and there you're not going to be obligated to stay until the way end. That is the tshuva for Rav Moshe. Again, not everyone agrees, but that is what Rav Moshe says. There's a fascinating uh, safer called Yosef Amitz, who says, he's, it's written by a rabbi from Frankfurt on Main, a German Rav, he writes, this is a Das Yachid, but I think it's a, I liked it a lot actually. He said, what happens if you get stuck in one of the Shabbos meals? And it's going on and on and on and on. It's Bittel Torah, maybe you're Mrs. Mansfila. You want to get out of there, but no one looks like they want to bench, so you have two options. Either you can get up and say, let's bench, which may be a bit obnoxious, so I don't necessarily recommend that unless you know your, your host. However, he says, in a case like that, and he's relied on this, if you realize it's going to be that much Bittu Torah, you can go and bench by yourself. I am not endorsing this, but I'm telling you that Shita does exist. So, you're not allowed to split up, although Ramosha tells us one can split up 
if they have in mind before they wash that they do not want to partake in the zimun. If there's four people, five people there, they can't split up because they're not, those two people are not going to have a zimun. She shouldn't but six can split up because you'll have three and three. Although certainly you sh- you could and maybe even should remain together because of Barov Am Hadras Melech. Adasara. Basara Eno Nechlokin. Ten should not split up because now you're doing it as a kahal. You can say Elokeinu, and therefore you should not split up. Although I'll mention, the post can do point out there's more. It's easier to split up from ten than to split up from three because when you split up from ten, you still have a zimun. Achiyu Esther until you have. 20. Once you have 20, you can split up 10 and 10 again, but there's still the principle of Rov Am Hajas Melech, if possible. Mishnah, hey. You have two Chaburas eating in different rooms. One's in the dining room, one's in the kitchen. If one of the people from one party and one from the other can see the other, they can see each other, so then they can join to be as a Zimun. Imlav but if they cannot, if we have them, no, I'm in the dining room and you're in the living room, we can't see each other, so then we have to bench individually, we have to bench separately. As in this group is even in that group room, and this group is even, uh, a group is even in that room. The mission now transitions to talk about wine. Why is it bringing up here? So presumably because when one benches, there's a chiv to bench a la coast, something we're not always so mocked on, sometimes we forget. But in fact, there is a strong basis in the Rishonim and Achronim, in the Poskim, that even when one benches in by themselves, they should use a cup of wine. The Aruch Shulchan quotes the Zohar, who wasn't such a big fan of it, that's probably why the Minig developed. But certainly, if you're benching with three, and definitely ten, then we should use a cup of wine. So the Gemara is not going to tell us that interesting halach when it comes to wine. In Rabbi Eliezer was of the opinion that if you don't put water into wine, so then... You do not make do not make a brach on it, and that's because the wine they had back then was much stronger or sweeter, depending on some of your the historians, and it was not potable until you put in water. And you used to put in the the ratio was three parts water, one part wine. So until you did that, it wasn't potable, and therefore they would not make a bracha according to Eliezer until you actually put in the water. said no. It still was potable enough, and therefore, still cons- and therefore, one should make a bracha even if it's going to be kind of gross. There's a fascinating halacha that emerges from this, and that was came from Rabelski. Rabelski wanted to know at the sk- on Seder night, one should drink wine. What is the minimum amount of wine? of alcohol, excuse me, that one needs to have in that wine in order to be Yotze, the, the Chiyav, of having wine Seder night. And Rebelski said, 3.5% is sufficient. If you have 3.5% alcohol, your wine is sufficient. The question is, where did he get that from? What hat did he pull that out of? And he, this, is, this is what he said. I thought it was very interesting. The way wine... Because grape juice becomes wine is it ferments. You put yeast inside and the yeast ferments and when it does so, it creates alcohol. Well, yeast, most strands of yeast can only live in alcohol until the alcohol reaches about 14 to 15%. There are some strands that can live in higher. In fact, I even contacted an expert in winemaking and asked them about this. They didn't respond to me, but I found an article that she wrote. Most strains of, therefore, most strands of yeast can only live in about between 14 and 15 percent alcohol once you get higher than that the, the yeast will die and therefore the alcohol the wine will not become any more alcoholic if that is true says Rabelsky, so if you assume the average wine is about 14 percent alcohol so when you dilute it 
three parts water, one part wine, you end up with 3.5%, and therefore he ruled lehalacha, wine has to be a bare minimum of 3.5% in order for it to be used in the Seder night. Everyone should have a wonderful day.